Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Let the Spirit of the Lord touch you. I know you've been standing a while. If you have your Bibles and will join me in the Song of Solomon. Chapter 2, we could quote this. The Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 15. Going to a very familiar place. The Bible says in the Song of Solomon 2 and 15, Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. And I want to take from this particular verse just the first four words. Take us the foxes. Amen. Let's consider the foxes this morning. Lord, I love you today, and I thank you for your presence. Thank you for the privilege to be in this service. I thank you, God, that we have the opportunity to come today and allow your word to just once again strengthen us and touch us. We pray that your anointing and your authority would just move in this house and let your word that is anointed find a place in our heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I don't like to give the devil a lot of air time, and I certainly don't like to give him a lot of pulpit time. But I would be remiss this morning not to remind us that the devil can be a powerful foe. He is not dressed in a red suit. He does not wear a cape. He's not holding a pitchfork, nor does he have a pointed tail and horns. The devil is very real. The spirit of this world is very prevalent. And because of the often subtle nature of the enemy, I'm concerned that we take him for granted. In an hour of unprecedented degradation with filth on every horizon, we need the Holy Spirit more today than we have ever needed him before. Amen. Please hear me and don't think that's just preacher fodder. Amen. We need the anointing of God, the spirit of God to minister and touch our lives. My wife was out of town several weeks ago and the home she was visiting in their living room, they were sitting there talking and the television was going and she said in a moment she looked up and saw one of the most promiscuous things that she never dreamed she would see on just television in the middle of the day. And uh, when she inquired about that, it was just an advertisement for a program. Amen. So what I'm talking about is the subtle nature of sin that sometimes isn't quite so subtle. Subtle. 
And if we're not careful, that spirit, prevailing spirit in our world can desensitize us to the things around us. Now, what I'm about to say, I say with great deference to anyone who may be in this field of labor or line of work, but if you have shopped for a vehicle in the last uh, few years and uh, you, I mean, let me back up. If you have been out of the market of shopping for vehicles for a little while and the last little while have shopped around a little bit, uh, you probably have had a little brush of sticker shop at, uh, you know, what just vehicles are selling for. And I'm, I'm sort of amazed at those that are selling those vehicles at how smoothly those numbers just roll right off their tongue. And they talk about for only. And then with good credit, you can probably stretch that out to 187 months. And it will only be, and only, and only, and only, and only. And so after one of those and only, and only, and only conversations, I finally asked the lady, I said, um, do you not, in all reality, let, let's step out of your world and let's just step on neutral territory for just five minutes. I'm not a, I'm not buying this car. So you're not losing a customer here because you never had one. So I said, the the price you just quoted for this car and the estimated monthly payment that you just shared with me, I said, is that a payment that you could make? She said, absolutely not. And she said, I don't even know how people do it. <laughs> My point is, is that the oversaturation of hearing these figures after a while, it makes it seem minuscule. And what would seven years of $800 a month be? Ah, that's nothing. Until you step out of that bubble and into the real world and then realize, wow, I'm doing all this to get out here and dodge traffic. Amen. I must be hurting somebody's feelings because it's getting tight in here. You've been shopping for cars. You do whatever you, want, you can afford. You, how about that? My point is this, is that there is this, the... The oversaturation of things desensitizes us. And so in an oversaturated society of perversion, in an oversaturated society of promiscuous living, then after a while, the church, Holy Ghost-fueled saints, are not even offended by curse words. Amen. I heard someone say the other day, when someone cusses, you know this, it's the attempt of a feeble mind to express itself. And so after a while, when, when those words don't bother us, Holy Ghost-filled saints, not what would the pastor say, let's ask ourselves, what would Jesus say? Take us the foxes, amen. Never before have the masses of the world been so exposed to sin as we are in this time. Technology has brought... So many things right to our fingertips. And I, I'm not here to just jump up and down on this. I am here to wake us, if I may, with the help of the Lord. Never before have the masses. There, there's nothing new under the sun. Solomon has already covered that. And so there's no new sin 
What's going on today is the fact that we have it so readily accessible and available to us. As a matter of fact, most people sitting in this church house this morning has a phone in your purse or on your side or on your person that could probably tune in to just about anything you'd want to get. And so that's what I mean by never before have the masses been exposed to the sin that is in our world. Children, literally, children know about things today that a lot of us in this adult class didn't know about when you were grown. But children, their innocence has been robbed early, early on. Their innocence has been robbed by, by the forces and the spirit of our world. Television and media and DVDs and videos and video games. The internet, all of those things. These venues and others expose our children and young people and adults as well to multiple levels of Perversion, and it just simply desensitizes us as to what's really going on. I said many years ago that perverted lifestyles and same-sex marriages and all of those things have been just dropped in the homes, American homes, little by little through sitcoms, and, and it just kind of gets you used to seeing all of it. When you think all the way back, some are sitting here this morning that could remember, and I'm not going to attempt to see how far I can go back, but some would remember even a popular program in the 70s called Soap. I got a few people not ashamed to nod their head. That was an introduction to uh, homosexual living and lifestyles in the 70s. And so little by little, small doses and agenda, ladies and gentlemen, is marching down Main Street. A massive major agenda is marching down Main Street. And if the church does not rise and understand what's going on around us, and if we just keep buying into the system that is going on around us, then we too are risking our own very lives. The scripture I read as a text this morning is very common, especially to most that are sitting here. We've all read the scripture and at some point probably even referred to it to some degree. In biblical days, if you know this, just bear with me, but in biblical days, most especially in Palestine, foxes were very small in stature. And most small things are cute. As a matter of fact, they were considered cute. So cute that for many years, not only uh, were they just a part of their culture, but in many cases, they were a, an attraction, a sideshow, if you please. And visitors that would come to Palestine would want to see them before they went to go back home. Much like people visiting Florida or Orlando want to see Mickey Mouse before they go home. It seems innocent enough to entertain the masses. It just seems innocent enough. But in time, they got overpopulated and, and uh, they were the, so in the same proximity to man, uh, then they too become accustomed to man being around. So they lost their fear of man. And, and man is being entertained, so obviously they've lost their fear or at least their concern for this small fox. And, a, and as, as an end result, they moved in together, so to speak. They expanded their search for food, and so in a close location, they found grapes. Ironically, foxes developed, these foxes in particular, developed a strong love for grapes. That seems innocent enough, but in time, 
They left backyard vineyards and in time they, they left just small gardens and in time they made it to the vineyards of Israel and they began then to devour their grapes which now is affecting the economy because the devil never is satisfied with just a little. And that's why Jesus said, and please never forget it, Simon, Simon, I have prayed for you. I've prayed for you for this reason. Satan desires to sift you as wheat. He desires to sift until there is nothing there. Amen. Because they had discovered their their food source. Now, They're migrating closer and closer to the vineyards and little by little they move into their source of food. They move to the outer perimeter of the vineyards and begin now burrowing their dens. Somewhat a small nuisance now turns into an economical threat. The problem was that when they begin to burrow their dens, they burrowed into the root system of the vines. Before too long, not only were the grapes lost to the foxes, but the vines that produce the grapes are dying. Now, I know this seems a little bit elementary and especially to an adult congregation. But hear me. It is one thing to lose the grapes, but it is quite another thing to lose the vine. It's one thing to lose the grape, but it's an altogether different battle when we lose the vine. Because the vine is the life support system. Almost everyone sitting here in this building today can afford to lose a battle or two because we've all lost some battles in our life. After all, if we lose the battle here and there, all we've really forfeited is just a few grapes. And I'll recover from these wounds and someday I will... Uh, heal and, and everything will be all right and I'll be able to produce more grapes. But I don't know anybody sitting in this building today that can afford to lose your spiritual root. That's an altogether different story. I may do something. I, I may step out of line. I, I, may, I may willfully sin to some degree and cost me some grapes. And if I, the Bible says that if we are If we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. The Bible also talks about whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so we understand that that in time I can heal from that and I can move and I can start producing fruit again in my life, but I cannot afford to allow something to burrow into my heart and into my spirit that affects the root system of my spirit. Now, I know that you know I'm not just talking about vines and grapes here this morning, but we're talking about the enemy's pursuit of those things in our life that would not just be fruit today, but those things that can produce fruit tomorrow. Amen. I am thankful for the congregation that's here this morning. I don't take it for granted. Not one single person that ever walks through the door of this assembly But here is the ultimate goal of this church, not just of me as the pastor, but of this church. We are looking for the Lord's return any day now. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't return, what I am concerned about is not that we have this building filled today. 
But what I'm worried about and concerned about and where my focus is is not just on Wednesday coming or not just Sunday coming or not just January coming, but I am concerned about where we're gonna be five years from now or 10 years from now. Amen, amen. When I see our elders, when they go to such length to get to the house of God, against all odds, against all odds, when they pull and claw and press and push their way just to get into the house of God, and I see a generation behind them that doesn't need much more than a pebble in their path to keep them away from church, I'm worried about where we're gonna be five years from now. Take us the foxes because it's not just missing Sunday. It's not just missing a Wednesday. It's not just not being at a prayer meeting. It's not just not being here, not being there. It's the fact that while we're losing some great, something is taking up residence in our heart. Something is taking up residence in the orchard. And so I say, God, help us to realize that if we have no root, we have no vine. And if we have no vine, we have no fruit. And only death remains. I want to have a revival church in this hour. Yes, that goes without saying. That goes without saying, but equally concerned about this morning service. I am equally concerned about five years from today and my children and your children having a church that they can come to and still hear a message of Acts 2.38, amen, of repentance of our sins and water baptism in a pool in Jesus' name for the remission of those sins and then receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost because the Bible says this promise is not just to me and this promise is not just to my children but Jesus the word teaches us Peter said that this promise is to all who are afar off Amen, that doesn't mean people that live in California that means those that are on their way that God is drawing hallelujah don't think me silly and please don't write me off But I'm gonna tell you that there's a maternity ward this morning that may have a brand new baby in it that that her or his destiny is bound to wind up right here. And so I say, dear God of heaven, amen, don't let me flirt here and don't let me flirt there because he or she is gonna need a church that knows how to pray, a church that knows how to get on their face before God and pray a prayer of intercession and build bridges of repentance. Bible that will sustain us into our future. Amen. Amen. Oh, heavenly God, touch us today. Amen. Heavenly God, touch us today. I want a desire. I want a burning. I want a yearning in my heart to be a part of the kingdom of God this day. Amen. It is, it is intoxicating sometimes we find that in many, many, many lives when we get intoxicated on where we are in life. One lady, one virgin girl was promoted all the way to the position of queen. And in the process of that rising, I'm gonna tell you something, it was a difficult process. It was six months of this and six months of that. You read the story. It was a 12-month process to even be eligible Not chosen, just eligible to be chosen. 
And so a lot of things went into that and the process of all that she went through to get where God had destined her to be when it came time, when she really realized, when all involved really realized that you were not elevated to this throne. You were not elevated to this position just so that you could get in the front of the line or that so that you could be at the head of the parade, so to speak. But God knew all along what was in Haman's heart. And God knew all along that in his sinister way, he was gonna build gallows to destroy the Jews. And God said, I've gotta have somebody that can intercede. I gotta have a voice in the kingdom. I got to have somebody in the king's ear. Hallelujah, are you with me now? And when she got there, even after all she went through to get there, the foxes almost mesmerized her out of her position but thank God she had an uncle named Mordecai that wasn't intoxicated on the aroma of success. He wasn't intoxicated on the king's palace, but he sends back a note and said, who knoweth but that you have not been brought to where you are for such a time as this. Help me today to tell you, it's not our good looks and it's not our pedigree and it's not our wit, nor is it our wisdom that has brought us where we are today, but it is the grace of God and the destiny not only of me but it is the destiny of our future and so I say this morning saints wake up I think we heard that a few Sundays ago wake up wake up let the enemy rock us to sleep where we are and we just laugh and play with something that can borrow into our heart and kill the root of our spirit oh Jesus Jesus Wake up, wake up. What was so cute and harmless and an attraction even now is a major problem. Started small. I know I've read this many times, even preached on it several years ago. But you've heard the proverb of the lost nail. For the want of a nail, a shoe was lost. For the want of a shoe, the horse was lost. And for the one of a horse, the rider was lost. And for the one of a rider, the battle was lost. And for the one of the battle, the kingdom was lost. All for the one of a nail. Where did it start? It seems insignificant. It seems like this won't really matter, surely. And that's why the Old Testament writers and that mundane reading that we often find ourselves in in the earlier parts of the years when we're going through the word of God, that, that taxing, those taxing scriptures of law, those taxing verses that just seem what, what in the world is this there for? But somebody cried and said, whatever you do, don't move your neighbor's landmark. Whatever you do, don't move that cornerstone. Whatever you do, this is gonna serve not just for me, but this is gonna serve for generations to come and so I'm saying today in the fear of God what in the world does it matter it matters it matters somebody thought it significant enough to put it there and I say dear God it is not upon me and I should not take it upon me to say this doesn't matter only to realize too late too late that it really does matter the kingdom was lost in relation to the need of just one lost nail. May seem foolish to some, 
But I've been reminded multiple times in recent weeks of how people ignored small things in their lives years ago. And I'm not gonna do this and don't get uncomfortable, but I promise you there's people here this morning that would do a much finer job at preaching this message than me. Because they've lived it out. It matters. What difference does it make? You may find out. And it may be irreversible at that time to find out. I don't want to ignore small things in my life and then realize one day this is not such a small issue. Something that began in innocence has burrowed now so deep into the spiritual root system and it's destroyed the fruit of so many lives. So much potential. Amen. The repercussions of the loss of small things that result in the losing of important things. I say this sincerely. I fear for myself and I fear for my family and I fear for this church and I fear for this generation. If we allow all these little things in, we will all lose. Here are some things that, you know, Paul said there are some things that are lawful for me, but they're not expedient. There's some things that are, there's some things that are, are, are okay by law, but it's just not in my best interest to do that. And so I, I proposed this many months ago about people ask, well, is it heaven or hell issue? And is it this, is it that? And so it's not, is it right, is it wrong? We need to ask ourselves, is it wise? Is it wise? There's the real question because that is at the center of all of this. Is this the best thing that I could do for me spiritually? I mean, how I, I gotta ask myself if I participate in this or if I participate in that, how am I gonna feel when I get up and walk away from that? Am I gonna feel more spiritual? Am I gonna feel clean, clean in my mind and my heart or am I gonna feel like I need to go somewhere and bathe my mind and wash my eyes and boil out my ears? And if that's the truth, if that's the case, it's not about right. It's not about wrong. It's about it, this is not wise. This is not in the best interest of my spirit. This is not in the best interest. Amen. Hanging with the wrong crowd, that's not a heaven or hell issue. But I gotta ask myself, who's winning the battle of influence? Amen. Having a spirit of unconcerned about worship, is this in my best interest? Is this in my best interest or should I be lean and in when it comes time? David said enter with praise and enter with thanksgiving and having a spirit of unconcern about those that are lost. Is that really wise? Is, is there something wrong? Am I unplugged? Am I disconnected? Am I lost? Or am I so focused on me and mine that I've lost sight of the big, big picture? What about prayerlessness and and fasting, and, and all of those things. These are things we'll never get away from. If you do, you're risking the root. You're risking the root of your life. You know, we hear certain things preached about and think, well, that don't apply to me. Please don't drop your guard. That may be the very fox that takes up residence in your heart or your home or your life. And this is not a fear among fear-monging message by any degree. 
But the day that you feel immune to the temptation of this world is the day that the floodgates may just burst open. Paul said to the Corinthian church, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You may think, well, I would never do that or I would never commit that sin. I, I would be very careful because I've watched mighty men and mighty women of God that were overtaken. David said how the mighty are fallen. Now, with just a little bit of research, you'll know that David was referring to Saul. Sadly, most people only remember Saul's life in the end. We have vivid pictures of Saul throwing daggers at David and a madman in the cave asleep and David cutting off his skirt. And those, sadly, are the images that most of us retain about Saul. But it is an interesting study and well worth your time to run your finger back to the beginning. And you'll find a very pure man, a very innocent and honest man that was so overwhelmed at the thought of God, the call of God on his life that he was hiding behind the stuff. An ordinary man on an ordinary day that was called out by Samuel and Samuel anointed him. And then if you read the story, it's incredible. Samuel anoints him with oil and then begins to tell him all the things that's going to happen to him today. These are not unfolding events that as you go on somewhere 10 years from now, this is gonna happen. But he said, this is going to happen to you today. You're gonna meet people, they're gonna be holding a kid some, they're gonna be holding bread, they're gonna share some of that with you, but not all of that with you. And when you walk away, you're gonna become a new man today. And then when you get through that, you're gonna meet a band of people that are coming and when you see them coming, they're gonna be prophesying and praising and singing unto the Lord. And you know what? The spirit of prophecy is gonna get on you and you're gonna start prophesying today. Now just put yourself in Saul's place, a little overwhelming. And this is going to happen today. And the Bible says that when Saul turned to walk away from Samuel, that indeed another spirit came on him. And he did meet those that were bearing all those gifts and they did share exactly what God said, or Samuel said through God, God said rather through Samuel what they were going to share with him. And then he did meet a band and he did feel the spirit of prophecy come upon him. Yes, he did. All of those things. And he did mightily and triumphantly lead Israel for a season. For a season. When the enemy came in against another group and said, we'll make an allegiance with you and here's our, here's our only price. We just want to gouge out your right eye. Saul got wind of that and he said, oh, you tell those poor old whimpering folks that in the morning help's coming. And Saul gathered him a band of men together and he cut up, this sounds horrible, but he cut up an ox and sent all those bloody pieces door to door. I'm in the book, I really am in the book. And, and, and each of those minute men that went to the door, when they answered the door, the man was standing there with blood, a piece of bloody meat in his hands, blood dripping to the ground and he said, Saul said, this is gonna be the fate of any man that's not on his side. Pretty good way to gather up an army. You busy tomorrow? 
happened to be open. And Saul triumphantly led them to victory. But somewhere, little things. Somewhere, little things. When the Lord said, go to the Amalekites and destroy them, utterly destroy them all. Men, women, children, animals. For some reason, Saul said, it won't hurt to take the king. It won't hurt to take the king. But hear me today. When he took the king, and I'm not trying to be crass, but when he brought the king, he brought the seed for more. And in his dying day, and this has been preached beyond the telling, but in his dying day, Saul says, I'll take my own life. I'll fall on my own sword and that should be sufficient. And laying in his own pool of blood, unable to draw his last breath, he sees a little boy, a young man, and says, kill me, kill me. And the young man reaches down and with no effort at all pulls off his bracelet and his crown. You know how many men have been trying to do that? You know how many hundreds of men lost their life trying to do that very thing in battle, waging war. There were men that I promise you, there were men that sharpened their sword around early morning campfires and said, well, boys, today's the day. I'm coming home with Saul's crown. I'm coming home with his bracelet. But they went home in a casket. But today, a little boy reaches down with no resistance, pulls it off his head. And Saul asked him, by the way, who are you? And the last thing Saul ever heard was, I am an Amalekite. Take us, the foxes. Take us, the foxes. What started with tremendous innocence ended with anything but innocence. He died a mad man. You know, one of the most troubling, and I know I've mentioned a lot of troubling points of Saul's life, but one of the most troubling to me of all the things that happened to Saul, I don't know why, but this has always just been the thing that bothered me most, was that a man who once heard so keenly from God Brother Polk has now clawed his way through the midnight hour to the front door of the Witch of Endor. And of all the things Saul was involved in, Brother Gibson, for some reason, that's the one that just really bugs me most. I need to hear, he needed to hear from the Spirit, but he just settled to be able to hear from a Spirit. And so I tell you today that when we come to church, maybe this is not what you came to receive today. But hear me, when we come to church, we need to hear from the Spirit, not a Spirit, and ask God to minister to us. A man who now formerly heard from God, the God of the ages has been reduced 
to getting direction from the devil, if you please. I'm closing with this. Amos 5 illustrates a man who had escaped essentially the clutches of a lion and then escaped the claws of a bear and made it safely to his own house. But when he got to his own house, he put his hand against the wall and it was there that a serpent bit him. The last place you would really think about the enemy would be your home. Safe. I'm not trying to embellish the story, but I just envision him making his way out of breath. Made it. Lion almost got me. The bear almost got me. I made it. And then he lowered his guard and it was a serpent on the wall. What are you saying? What I'm saying is this. Is that we need the spirit of God to move through our spiritual veins like blood courses through our natural veins. Cleanse the impurities. Wash me and clean me and make me whiter than snow. Lord, don't let anything burrow its way into my life. Amen. I want to guard our children and every parent here should be equally as persistent to guard what your children are exposed to. We made a very concerted effort through the years to never sit around in our home and talk about church problems and preachers and saints in front of our son. He found out enough on his own. But if he were to pick up that infection, one thing he was never going to be able to do was point at daddy and say, well, I feel by them because that's what my dad said. And so if you sit around and talk about all kind of junk in your home, you're inviting foxes. If you sit around and discount the leadership of the church, you may be destroying a bridge that you will one day need. You can't devalue the worth of a Sunday school teacher, children's ministry leader, youth ministry leader or worker at home and then expect them to have one ounce of influence at church. And believe it or not, and I'm certainly not insinuating that our leadership is perfect. I'm not even insinuating that I'm perfect. How's that? I'm sure that was an informative statement. But one day, as a parent, we're not always going to have the most influential voice in our children's lives. As a matter of fact, every word you utter when it gets right about there is going to be worth nothing. And it'll be worth nothing. You know why? Because you said it. It may be the best advice in the world. And that's when you're going to need a catch net of somebody around you. And you better hope you've been lifting them up and not burning those bridges. They're not perfect. No, 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 they're not perfect. 
Amen. God, help us today that we just press hard. God hasn't changed. He's still the same. Let's stand together. The only thing that's really changed the society around us, pressing issues, family problems, pressures, financial situations, and probably one of the greatest assets that we have that is chipped away at most, and that's time. These are the things that have eroded our root system. We've sort of reached the point that if we're not out at a certain time, people get all fuzzed up because we've got other things to do. I get that to a degree. But let's have church and let God be God. Now write me off. You can write me off here. I put it in my notes. They may write you off right here. Just to remind myself not to be offended. I'm not trying to just live on yesterday's juice. But I remember Saturday night services that more often than not started 45 minutes to an hour early. I can remember listening to the old tapes and somebody said, well, we ought to get started. Somebody said, well, I thought we had started. And then we had Sunday morning service and then Sunday night service and then Wednesday night service. And if that generation could make it three or four times a week, we're certainly not asking too much in the hour that we're living in now. The problem may well be that some foxes have got into our priority system and eroded the roots away. And above all else, we need to be where God would have us to be. I want to get plugged into everything I can get plugged into. Amen. I want you to be plugged into everything you can get plugged into. You know why? I know you're going to need it. I know I'm going to need it. Now, I'm going to really be done here. But we live in a state, a region that we're familiar with bad storms and we've experienced those in times past. I'm not just talking about rainstorms of recent, but hurricanes and things of that nature. And You know, it's a strange thing when the forecasters are telling you, gather up all the loose items out of your yard. Because when they're telling you to do that, the sun's out. Birds are singing. But they're every hour on the hour saying, you better tie it down. Better buckle down. (laughs) I don't know how accurate this story is, but I heard it several times in my growing up days when people first started getting interested in buying the land down the river. Some of those old farmers that owned that land said, I don't know why you'd want this land. Said, see them milk jugs up in them trees? See all, see all that trash and them coolers? The wind didn't blow that there. But when the ground is dry and the river's just suddenly whispering by, you can't imagine. You can't imagine. 
So finally, the dollar worn out, won out over logic, and the old farmer said, have your way. Don't forget your raft. Amen. And so today, the birds may be singing, and the sun may be out, but the preacher's saying, gather up all the loose stuff. Gather up all the loose stuff. You may drive home today and look at one another and say, I don't know what that was all about. Have no idea. Have no idea where that came from. But the preacher's saying the storm's coming. The storm's coming. Tie it down. Bolt it down. Why don't we slip our hands heavenward and ask God to strengthen us today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.